The epistle for this 10th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brethren, you know that when you were heathens, you went to dumb idols according as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God says anathema to Jesus. And no man can say the Lord Jesus, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of graces, but the same Spirit, And there are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God who works all in all. And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man unto profit. To one indeed by the Spirit is given the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith in the same Spirit, to another the grace of healing in one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of speeches. But all these things, one and the same Spirit works, dividing to everyone according as he will. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 18th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. At that time, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves as just and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee standing prayed thus within himself, O God, I give thee thanks that I am not as the rest of men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, as also is this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes towards heaven, but struck his breast, saying, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I say to you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, because every one that exalts himself shall be humbled, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Father, dear faithful, The Washington Post on March 4th, 1916, had a sad story in its columns. A story about Blackie the Cat, who was owned by a certain Miss Godfrey. Blackie the Cat liked to hang out in the grate of the fireplace in the apartment. And one day, Blackie the Cat was in the the fireplace and looked upwards and saw a light coming from the chimney. Blackie got curious as to what might be up there and so started climbing up the flue of the chimney. When Blackie got to the top of the chimney, he got a little scared and started pleading for help. Mrs. Godfrey pleaded with Blackie and said to Blackie, please come down from the chimney. And if you know anything about cats, you would know that Blackie did not come down from the chimney. So Miss Godfrey called the fire department and the police department and really anybody who was willing to lend an ear to this plight she was in. Over time, after much pleading with Blackie to get down, Blackie decided to try to go up higher um, with this on, on the roof and unfortunately plumbed, plunged to his doom and died on the ground. In the end, curiosity killed the cat. Blackie died from being too curious. He lost his physical life. And curiosity can kill us too. 
but do something even worse. Not take away our physical life, but take away our eternal life. This is what we do not want to happen. You know, the curiosity is a vice. Probably aware of the seven capital vices, but you realize that there are more vices than just seven. The seven capital ones are the main ones, but there are other vices. And curiosity is one of them. St. Thomas treats curiosity when in the section of the Summa where he's talking about all these different types of sin. And he explains that curiosity is an inordinate desire for knowledge. In other words, there are certain ways where we can seek for knowledge that are good. And there are other ways we can seek for knowledge that are bad. And curiosity describes a certain manner of seeking for knowledge that is not good. St. Thomas says that we can seek for intellective knowledge in a way that is bad, and we can seek for sense knowledge in a way that is bad. Three ways that he mentions for us to pursue intellective knowledge wrongly are the following. First of all, you can be trying to gain knowledge just for the sake of being able to boast about it for a motive of pride. You're not looking for the truth. You're just looking for uh, an ability to brag about your knowledge. Say you know that someone is, uh, you're, the people are going to have a discussion about mountain climbing in Colorado. So you go and you memorize the 32, the names of the 32 mountains in Colorado that are over 14,000 foot high. And when the discussion comes up, you just say, did you know there's 32 of them? And you just rattle them off. And people are just so impressed at your knowledge. But you didn't gain your knowledge for the right reason. You gained it out of motives of pride. Secondly, you can pursue knowledge that is really beyond your capacity. You can seek to know too much about things that really uh, you cannot expect to be able to fathom. St. Thomas quotes Ecclesiasticus chapter 3. Seek not the things that are too high for thee, and search not into things that are above thy ability. Um, I think of conspiracy theorists who are always trying to figure out the deeper reason why something happened so they can find the true secret. Um, or people who are perhaps scrutinizing the providence of God too much. They think they can figure out God. And when, when they keep scratching, 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 says St. Thomas, they can fall into error. Um, they can even lose their faith, trying to know things that really beyond them. The third way in which we can pursue intellect knowledge wrongly is when we are lazy in our pursuit of knowledge. There's a certain knowledge that we have a duty to try to find. We are meant to seek truth in this life. But truths that are good for us, not truths that are useless and trivial. For instance, you take a student who's supposed to be learning mathematics. And they're studying their mathematics, but they find mathematics very boring. So what do they do instead? They grab themselves a novel and start reading the novel. They're gaining knowledge by reading the novel. They're pursuing knowledge, but it's not the knowledge that corresponds to their duty of state. Or, say, you have someone that's seeking knowledge that of itself is absolutely and utterly trivial and useless. This knowledge is not going to be helpful to the person in any way. It has no relation whatsoever to the final end of that person. 
which which is, of course, to attain God. It's not going to work for the person's perfection. For instance, I go to yahoo.com, as I did yesterday, to prepare the sermon. And I find an article, a headline there, and it says the following. He hired two men to kidnap his wife. They ended up drowning. So, for the vast, vast majority of people, if they clicked on that link, it would be an utter waste of their life to read that article. Totally and utterly trivial knowledge. So that's three ways in which you can pursue intellective knowledge wrongly, but you can also pursue sense knowledge wrongly. And this, is, this happens when we seek to see things that are harmful for us. We know they're harmful, and yet I'm curious about them, and so I seek to look at them. See, Thomas says, Sightseeing becomes sinful when it renders a man prone to the vices of lust and cruelty on account of the things that he sees represented. Very violent things, very indecent things. What we have to understand about this vice of curiosity is what it does to us. It ends up resulting in the debasing of our minds. We have an intellective power, a beautiful power, our highest power given to us by God, this ability to know the truth. But there are different types of minds. Some are more elevated, more noble, some are less elevated, more debased. And our consumption of things that were, are not really helpful for our minds because we're indulging in the, voice, in, in, the, in the vice of curiosity makes our minds empty. And I especially want to point out and talk about two of those aspects of curiosity that St. Thomas speaks about. First of all, the pursuit of trivial knowledge and then the, the intellective knowledge trivi- that is trivial. And then secondly, the pursuit of sense knowledge that is harmful for us. Trivial knowledge makes your mind empty. Harmful knowledge throws your mind into the gutter. Either way, your greatest natural power, your capacity to know, to know truth, becomes dull and atrophied over time. It's so important for us in this life to keep our minds sharp, clear, and strong, as opposed to empty, dirty, and superficial. Why is it important? Because we have the wounds of original sin in our soul. And these wounds affect all of our faculties, our intellect, our will, and our passions. And perhaps the gravest wound of them all is the one that affects our intelligence, and that is the wound of ignorance. This wound makes it difficult for us to pursue and find the higher truths, the truths that are most uh, important for our lives, that direct us towards the good and our final end. What do we discover when we pursue these truths? We might find them difficult to grasp. We find them very difficult to live up to. And we don't find them as sensational, as appealing to us, as these lower material truths. The fact is that by our fallen nature, because of this wound of ignorance, we are very curious to know about things that are base, sensational, sensual, superficial, and entertaining. And we're not so interested in learning about higher things, things that are noble and sublime. So we're very tempted by the vice of curiosity. And guess who knows this extremely well? 
the enemy of the human race, the devil, who goes about, right, like a roaring lion, seeking to capture your soul. And what has he done? Well, he's enlisted the help of various instruments, like Google. He said to Google, hey, just like the third temptation for our Lord, I show you all the money of the world, and I'll give you this money. All you have to do is help me damn souls to hell. How does that sound? And Google's like, okay, that sounds like a good deal. How are we going to do this? And the devil says, look, this is how we're going to do it. What we're going to do is going to turn the people who are looking at the internet into products. We're going to monetize them. So you are going to track absolutely everything that they're looking at, all the videos that they're looking at, all the articles that they're going to look at, looking at, and you're going to look at how long they're spending on their videos, how long they're spending on their images or their articles, the type of, of articles, what interests them. And when they're going down the feed and they stop on something, you say, okay, that was 2.5 seconds, they stop there, then they go to the next one, that was just 0.5 of a second, and then the next one, you track all of that. And over time, you figure them out, you figure out what gets them to spend more time on the internet. And you put in their feed all the things that will, are likely to have them spend as much time as possible on the internet. And Google's like, okay, got that, I can do that. I have the technology, we can do that. So what's in it for me? And the devil explains, well, what's going to happen is you are going to sell that person to the advertisers. You're going to say to the advertisers, look, I've got people and I can get them to pay attention to you and to your products because I have the ability to make them spend time on my websites and they're going to see your advertisements. And the company says, okay, all right, great, great. I will pay you money to do that. And you become a product of Google that is sold to the advertising companies. And what turns out that the primary interest, what, what are the things that most people look at? Well, as you say, I, I can go to yahoo.com and just see right there and immediately determine what the advertisers are trying to put before people in order to get them to spend a lot of time. Number one thing, indecency and nudity. This is the number one thing that provokes the curiosity of people. Men want to click on the links out of lust. Women want to click on those links out of vanity. Number two thing that appears most frequently are those sensational trivialities, such as that article I mentioned before, or something like, there was a terrible car crash in Missouri, 50-car pileup, or so-and-so reveals that their child is transgender, or a woman is celebrating her 100th birthday with 100 White Castle sliders. And you see the article, and it's like, hey, yeah, this, is, this amuses me, this piques my interest, I think I'll click, I'll, I'll read on it. And you waste your life away. Who do you think is curious about these things? You are. I am. Who else? Your children. Your children are very curious about these things. 
All human beings are curious about these things. That's why they make so much money off of you. Because they've discovered the aspects of your fallen human nature, what will most attract you, and they run everything that we consume. What do you think happens when people feed their minds on this sort of information hour after hour, day after day, year after year? What happens over time is their minds become like what they are consuming. To the degree that they are feeding their minds with this trash, so their minds become empty, base, ignoble, incapable of higher pursuits because they've enslaved themselves to that vice of curiosity. They've lost control over their intellective appetite, their desire for knowledge. And they, they, they are no longer able to pursue the higher knowledge that really nourishes their mind and ennobles their mind. And all they spend their time consuming are these base and lowly things. They cannot resist watching another stupid video or reading another filthy article or seeing more filthy images on the Internet. When we recognize this fact, when we recognize that we are being sold in bondage to uh, Google and advertising companies, um, that they use us to make money, and you can be sure that they have no concern whatsoever for your immortal soul. All they want is money. That's what they want. And you are assisting them make money to the degree that you scroll your feed and keep scrolling and scrolling, and you keep reading another article or watching another video, you are part of the problem. And when we recognize that, that we are being sold in bondage to Google or these things because we have the vice of curiosity, we have to take stock and say, what are we going to do? I think the most important thing is, is to make use of the great blessing we have in the, our Catholic faith. If the Catholic faith does anything for us, it sets our sights very high in this life. It gives you a true perception of your goal, your very purpose in this life, and that is you are made for God, for God himself, nothing less. That is what you need to be pursuing in this life. So. Everything that you do and the knowledge you take, you take in should have some connection to that goal. Or else you're just wasting your life away. We are here to know, love, and serve God. We're not here to know what the Hollywood stars are wearing or not wearing. We're not here to know what so-and-so is saying on Facebook or the latest conspiracy theories. That's not our purpose in this life. So many times those things have no connection to anything profitable for you, for your person. Secondly, it's so important for us that we be careful about our time, about our use of time. We have a reckoning with ourselves. How much time do I spend on the Internet? If I asked you how much time do you spend on the Internet this past week, could you measure the time? Are you aware of how much time? You have to control your use of your device, not allow the device to control you. 
You can't be in this rut where you're impulsively going to your vice or anytime you have downtime, you just get back on the internet and, and waste your life away. You have to decide how much time you spend and what you consume. You must not become a slave. Believe it or not, there were not, it was not too, too long ago when people just did not have access to all this information. And as far as I remember, they did fine without having this information, without knowing the latest thing that so-and-so is saying on Facebook or, you know, some woman binges at White Castle when she turns 100. I think they did fine without having this information. So you can do fine without it as well. You should have a set time when you're free from your phone, and that shows your freedom. You got your phone, and you say to yourself, now's the time, I'm just going to put it aside. I'm just going to put it over here. And by the way, I left my phone on this podium in between these two sermons. <laughs> so, I mean, just, you know, you, you've got to, to be able to say to yourself, this device is not going to control my life. So I have the power to say no. Whenever it beeps, I'm not going to be like one of Pavlov's dogs and just start salivating and say, to sort of stop myself in mid-sentence when I'm talking to somebody and say, oh, I just got a text message, or there was some beep on my phone, so I need to check it out and see what this you know, a very important piece of information is on my phone. Um, the, the, the social media controls people are on the, on the inside speak about how they want to, to create that impulsiveness in people. Um, or even like some sort of lottery where, where people just sort of check their phone every 30 seconds. Is there something there? You know, is there something for me? Is there some piece of information so that they can make people addicted to these devices? Make sure you have time when you are free from your phone. It's not near you, and you're speaking to real human beings instead of looking at your technological device. It's also important for you to control the advertisements that appear in your feed, whether it be your YouTube feed or Facebook feed or, or whatever. It's easy to go and click on the advertisement, on like on the X, and say, I'm not interested in this. This is some, um, you know, like advertisement for photographs and like for mature audience, uh, mature audiences only, click the X, say, not interested or on, on YouTube, click on the video they're suggesting for you to watch. You say, I don't want to watch this video. I'm not interested in this type of video. And that will correct the algorithm that makes the suggestions. And over time, you'll be like me. You only have advertisements for insurance, which is fine. So think about it. There's so many meaningful pieces of literature and music with which to both entertain yourself and elevate your soul out there. Don't immerse yourself in pop culture just because it provokes your curiosity. Have a desire to feel, feed your soul with real nourishment and not all that junk food that is out there that is just absolutely everywhere and is so invasive in your life. And protect your children. Watch your children. Be aware of what your children are looking at on any technological device. I brought back from St. Mary's this brochure called Digital Safety that was put together by the priest of St. Mary's in order to inform parents on what they can do to protect their children. How many times are your children 
more savvy than you with technological devices, and they're using your devices to fall into mortal sin. And whose fault is it? Well, yes, it's Google's fault. Yes, it's your child's fault as well. But it's also your fault because of your negligence. You're not on top of what your children are looking at. You're not aware of what your children are looking at. And those are the souls that God has given to you to save. You have to take the effort to arm your devices and make them safe for your children to, to use. Um, they don't have the virtue of an adult. They don't have the maturity of, a, of an adult. They don't have the resources with which to resist. You don't want them to own these devices. If they ever use these devices, you want to be very, very sure of what they're looking at because you are responsible for their souls. So my dear faithful, the gradual of today's Mass speaks about the eyes of God, how the eyes of God, how we want to be the apple of God's eyes and how God's eye is just. God's eye is looking down upon us, looking over us. We want to be the apple of God's eye. We have to remember what we are made for. We are made to be with God for all eternity. Nothing less than that. And we have to so conduct ourselves such that we remember that. And whatever we do in this life, and unless we keep our eyes directed towards heaven, lift them above this earth, they will be directed curiously to many empty and sensual things in this very technological world that we live in. Remember how, how unfortunate it was for Blackie the cat when he got too curious and for things it was not his business to look for, he fell down to the earth and met his doom because of that foolish curiosity. You too can be doomed into a much worse fate because of your curiosity fall much lower than this earth, to the center of the earth, even to the depths of hell, if you do not curb that vice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.